We're starting this sermon series called Christmas at the Movies, all right? So um, we, we're talking about movies because there's something about movies, they just tell stories, right? Like there's a reason that all of you, as this, these clips are rolling by, you're laughing or you're singing along. It's like, there's something that movies do to us and in us that like, I don't know, it just lifts our spirits, it tells a compelling story, it engages um, our, our hearts, our emotions, all that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know if you know this, but not everyone who produces movies is actually a Jesus follower, right? But it does seem like when we watch movies, when we look at them, there are some themes that God has burned into the hearts of man. It doesn't matter whether we follow him or not. They're just in us, right? And as you watch movies, you see these redemption stories, right? You see stories of salvation. You see the, the, the justice served in the end of all these movies. There's a reason people write these movies and there's a reason we connect with them. And so as we look at these movies, we're not just exploring movies because we were like, well, we're out of ideas. What do we do this year? Like, uh, we're not trying to even say like, hey, the, the gospel according to uh, Die Hard or something like that. Like, we're not, that's not the point. The point is that we would see these, these themes that come up in movies, that come up uh, just as people write stories and the stories that we know and love, things that we've connected to, say, okay, man, how can we connect to those things and then look at what the Bible teaches about those things and help us take steps forward in certain areas? And so this morning, I'm pumped. I'm excited about this whole series. This morning, I get to talk about a great Christmas movie. It's a beautiful one. It's a character with which I, I identify a lot. Um, and it is The Grinch, okay? So I actually do not like Christmas, Okay? It's, I know, boo on me, it's fine. I'm the mean one, Mr. Great. I just, all the stuff about Christmas, I just, I just don't, I'm like, oh, okay. Here it is again this year, all that stuff. Like yesterday, we were decorating for Christmas, okay? So I thought we were gonna make it and not have to decorate. Last week, uh, my wife said to me, and I've never loved her more, she said, do we have to decorate for Christmas this year? And I was like, yes, like I've converted her because she's actually a very nice human, lovable person. Like, but slowly over time, I've just poisoned her soul about towards Christmas and all this kind of stuff. And I thought we weren't gonna have to uh, put a tree up. And in the end, all we did was put up a tree, put a little train around the tree. And this morning, as my kids were eating breakfast, all I hear is just like, choo, choo, and these stupid Christmas songs coming from that train, and I hate that train. That's why I don't want to put up that train. And the whole time yesterday, as we're setting up the tree, I'm like, this is so dumb. I'm putting this thing up. I'm going to take it down in 30 days, and I'm going to put it in the same bins, and it's going to take up room in my house. And I hate everything about Christmas. It's just not great. I mean, the gifts, I love gifts, right? I love receiving gifts. You want to give me a gift? I'll take it. But like the mandatory, obligatory gift giving thing to me, I'm like, okay, why don't we all just buy $50 worth of stuff on Amazon for ourselves, all get together and be like, huh, I actually have the right size of the shirt that I wanted because I bought it instead of you. Uh, it's just, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Like what? So I identify with this character. That's why I chose this story, right? The Grinch. But so as you know the, the Grinch, you know the story of the Grinch. The problem with trying to preach about this is there are three different Grinch movies. You guys know that, right? So there's the 1966 Grinch version. That was the one that was on this video. There's the 2000 Jim Carrey version. I mean, like uh, Jim Carrey, like, uh, yeah. Like, someone sent me a gif or jif, whatever you want to say, of uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey in the mask after first service, like him, like holding it. You guys know the mask? 
Yeah, okay, all right. I didn't know if you were true Jim Carrey fans or not. The, the Grinch is not his best work. Anyway, but there's also the 2018 version, right? The new animated version. I watched that yesterday with my kids just to, to get in the... Okay, I'm going to preach on this. Let's watch it. Um, so there's three different versions. A lot of different nuances on those stories, but who... What's the just basic premise? You guys know this. Let's talk about the basic premise of the Grinch is what? He is... Well, a lot of people are very confused about the plot of the Grinch. He's, right, what does the song say? How about that? He's the mean one, right? He's as cuddly as a cactus, right? I wouldn't touch him with a 39 and a half foot pole. He's this sour, mean, very ugly, like just grotesque, hateful, spiteful, bitter, angry caricature of a person, right? That's who the Grinch is. And if, if you watch the second two Grinches, and the first one, they don't really tell you why, but the second two, there's these backstories that they develop. There's some character development that happens in the two other ones that show you that the Grinch is actually just the byproduct of years and years and years and years of anger, hatred, resentment, and spite. That the Grinch wasn't always the Grinch. That at one point in time, he, he was actually nice. And the one we watched yesterday, there's just a picture of him in an orphanage, and he's alone. And the reason that he turned into the Grinch is that he was left alone. And he saw other kids get adopted, and he, he wasn't. The story of the Grinch is one of hurt and unforgiveness and what it does to you when you don't pursue forgiveness and reconciliation. And what you find in the end and who he became is not who he was at the beginning, but in the end he finds himself isolated, alone, and angry, not just at the people who harmed him, but at every single thing in the world. What I want to talk about today is every single one of us, whenever we are hurt, whenever harm happens to us, we have a choice. We can choose one of two routes. We can choose the path of forgiveness, restoration, reconciliation, peace, or we can choose to hold on to our unforgiveness, our bitterness, and our anger, and we can slowly, maybe not turn green, but we will become someone that we were not before. And it usually leads to isolation, bitterness, hatred, and ultimately wanting to seek revenge on everyone and everything that has ever harmed us. And so I want to look at what Jesus says. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke 17. I want to look at what Jesus says about this topic of forgiveness. And I know that, that the, the theme of the Grinch is not necessarily, oh, it's just about forgiveness. It's not necessarily just a forgiveness story, but I wanna look at this and see what we can learn from it. In Luke 17, verses three through five, Jesus says some things, and I, I listened to 
whenever I know I'm going to preach on something, I listen to a lot of sermons. And so there's two observations that are going to stick out to me that are not my observations. They're observations by a guy named Tim Keller. And I took those and I just dove into them. And I think he pointed out some things about this text that is spot on when it comes to forgiveness. And so if you're looking at your Bible, I'm going to put it up on the screen. Luke 17 says this. It says, watch yourselves. If another believer sins or sins against you or offends you, some translations say, rebuke that person. And then if there is repentance... Forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. First observation I want to make that Tim Keller made obvious. I've never, I've never even thought about this before. Is this last thing that Jesus says, or the last thing the apostles say to Jesus? They say, "Increase our faith." And you, normally, I just read over that. But it's interesting if you watch what happens in the the passage. Right, Jesus is talking to his disciples about forgiveness, and he puts out this ridiculous, ridiculous challenge to them. Even if someone seven times a day sins against you and comes and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive, is what it says. If you know anything about the scripture, when they talk about seven, the seven is a number, he's not necessarily just saying seven times, he's saying an exaggerated, just an infinite number of times. No matter how many times a person sins against you, you must forgive, and the apostles say to him, what? Increase our faith, because we do not have enough faith for that. There's no way. I can't do that. Can you do that? If someone just keeps sinning against you again and again and again and again and again, you're just supposed to forgive them? I ain't Jesus. And so they're like, man, we, we, we don't have enough faith. Well, you gotta give us something out because I can't do that. And I think what that pulls out that observation, pulls out to me that Jesus and the disciples and everyone who's hearing this, even right now, you know something about forgiveness. It's just part of us, that forgiveness is difficult. I talked to my wife about preaching this sermon. She was like, man, I wish you would preach on anything else. I don't, forgiveness is hard. <laughs> She's not in this service. She probably didn't listen first service either. She didn't want to hear it. She knew what the topic was. She wasn't stuck in here, right? Like, if you would have known we were talking about forgiveness today, I think there's a lot of people who would have said like, no, I, I have some Christmas lights to put up or something. <laughs> you want out. Because forgiveness is difficult. And for so many of you, when I talk about forgiveness, it, you're not just thinking about generic forgiveness. You think of a person. You think of a situation. You think of something from your past. You think of a situation you're about to walk into. Some of you, some of you think about your right now, and it's, it's crippling for you to think about, I'm, I can't forgive. You don't know what's been done to me. Some of you, some of you have been, man, your spouse has abused you physically, emotionally verbally. They've left. 
Some of you, that you're in a marriage where the other person is absolutely sabotaging your relationship on purpose, and I'm saying up here, you must forgive them. That's hard. Some of you have a Christmas season ahead of you that you're not really looking forward to because of some unforgiveness. There's, maybe it's your kids. Your kids have done some things and are currently doing some things or are, or are lying to you, they're manipulating you, they've abused everything that you give. You're just trying to help them and they just squander every opportunity you give them for forgiveness and reconciliation. And you're like, I've, I've done that, man. I've already tried that. They don't get it. Some of you, you are the kid and your parent. They didn't give you everything they should have given to you. They were distracted when you were young and, and you're in your 30s now. And you look back on your childhood and you're like, I was robbed. I didn't have good parents. I didn't have this or whatever. You, you feel the pain, the hurt. I could go on and list so many things, so many examples. Some of you holding unforgiveness because forgiveness is difficult. You know it. I know it. And if I'm standing up here saying, man, you, you either choose the path of unforgiveness or the path of forgiveness and reconciliation, you're like, I'm, honestly, man, I'm, I'm going this way. I don't have enough faith for that. I'm, I'm with the disciples. But here's a problem. Forgiveness is unbelievably difficult. But unforgiveness is dangerous. See, what are the first two words Jesus says? We all read over it. I read over it. Until Tim Keller pointed it out to me, I didn't see it. The first two words Jesus says in Luke 17, verse 3, he says, watch yourselves when your brother offends you. Watch who? Yourselves. So when I'm offended, who is the person's response that I need to be most concerned with in that moment? Mine. My response. Jesus, the one who created us, the one who, who knows us, the one who burned into our hearts and every person's heart these stories of redemption, redemption and salvation that made us in his image, he knows us better than anyone and everyone in the world. And he looks at forgiveness and he says, you know what? Oh, when you get offended, watch yourself. Because he knows something about us that when we get hit, do we turn the other cheek? No way! We swing back. When we are the one who is offended, when we are the one who is abused, when we are the one who is lied to, and we are the one who is manipulated, when we are the one that is hurt, apparently we don't just have to deal with that hurt, we also need to be very careful about what happens in our hearts and in our response in those moments. Because what Jesus is saying is the greater danger is not this path of forgiveness and restoration, but this path towards unforgiveness, 
bitterness, resentment, anger. It's almost as though he knows that if we hold on to these things, if we respond poorly, if we respond in a way that doesn't choose to forgive, we are on our way towards becoming the mean one, towards becoming the Grinch. And I wonder how many of us in this room, that's you. For years, you have held on to something that happened to you. For years, you're carrying resentment, anger, bitterness, rage, and you know that this is true because you've watched yourself become a very different version of yourself. And the problem with it is, is it only harms you. What you want is to get back at that person so you don't forgive, but it doesn't harm them. It harms you. What we want ultimately, I think, is we, we hold on to this unforgiveness because we think if we hold on to it, we can somehow control the situation. We can somehow, man, we can, we can figure this out. We can get back at them. That's what the Grinch is trying to do. He's looking and he says, how can I ruin their lives? And in his unforgiveness, he is literally plotting to steal everything that brings those people joy. And again, he's a caricature, but how many of us, when someone hurts us, we start to plan and plot and scheme how we can ruin the other person's life to get back at them. And what we were hoping to, is to like gain control of the situation by holding on to unforgiveness. But what ends up happening is the situation controls us. We lose all ability to think about anything else. We're the ones who are not going to go to family Christmas because that person's going to be there. And you haven't forgiven. Forgiveness is painful. It's difficult. Unforgiveness is dangerous. And here's the problem. The problem with this is one of those things that Jesus burned into us when he created us. Every single one of us, we have this like sense of justice that must be served inside of us, right? It's, it's, it's in you from the very time you are born. I mean, I... I never should have taught my kids to count, okay? Because now, when I open a can of mandarin oranges and I put them into two bowls, if one of them gets 16 and one of them gets 17, the oppression is unreal. <laughs> you would think that they have had an arm cut off of their body. This is not fair! And they'd scream and cry and weep. And I eat the 17th mandarin orange. <laughs> and justice is served. But there's something in them that cries out for justice. It's like, no, 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 that's not fair. That's not fair. And as I talk about forgiveness, I can feel it in your hearts. You're like, no, that's not fair. 
they hurt me. You're telling me to just let go of it? You're telling me to, to not only pay the price for them hurting me, but I also just have to like pay the price of actually forgiving them, of letting them off the hook, of not paying them back? Like, no, 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 that's not fair. Justice must be served. And that thing that's inside of us, is, man, it's, it's a good thing to fight for justice. And when we see injustice, it should cause something in us to want to speak up and say something. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and it's just, it ran on this, just one comment in it. They talked about superheroes. Superheroes, these champions of justice, of what is right. Something we love about them. He said, why are they all so, like, they just champion justice with everything that they have? If you look at almost every single one of their backstories, it's because they suffered some sort of injustice as a child. This happened to them, and something inside of them is like, no, this is, those who have no voice need a voice. Those who can't defend themselves must be defended. It's not a bad thing. A desire for justice is not a bad thing. But without the correct perspective, we are not the best judges. And when we've been offended, when we've been hurt, we need to watch ourselves. Because when we think, you know what, I'm the one who needs to bring justice, we are probably the least qualified in the entire world to do so. So you're faced with these two paths. Forgiveness is difficult. Unforgiveness is dangerous. I'm gonna challenge you to go the way of forgiveness because I believe, I believe that, that forgiveness, it leads the way to freedom. If what you are truly seeking is to be free from this prison that you are in because of your unforgiveness. If you are seeking to be free from, from being the one who has to constantly keep all of these accounts on your shoulders, you've got to learn to charge forward down this path of forgiveness. And I know it's not easy. I know that it's difficult. But it will lead to freedom. And it leads to freedom in two ways. Number one, it leads to freedom for us. Those of us in the room who you have been holding on to something for so long, I'm telling you that if you will actually pursue this route of being forgiving, it will lead you into freedom. I know you think that if you let this thing go, if I let it go, they win. It's not fair. I promise you, I promise you, that if you will seek this path, it will lead to some sort of freedom. You can stop being dominated by the thoughts of all these situations, all these records you're holding. But I don't want you to, to forgive people for a selfish motive so that you can be free. I, I want you to forgive people because it leads to freedom 
for others as well. This is the way of the cross. I don't know if you've ever hurt someone. I don't know if you've ever been the one who was wrong. I don't know if you've been in debt to someone because you messed up. You made the mistake. But I'm, I'm betting, this is no offense to you, but looking at you guys, I think you've messed up. <laughs> and I know that because I've messed up. And when someone looked me straight in the eyes after I hurt them, and they said, Chris, it's okay. I forgive you. It's like a literal weight is pulled off my shoulders. It leads to my freedom. And I think maybe you saw where this is going from the very beginning. But this is what Jesus did for us. We are the ones who offended. We are the ones who committed sin. God created the world perfect and we went astray. I don't know if you knew this, but, but you're the one, I'm the one who owes the debt. And this is what, what justice says. What justice says is, you offend me, you pay the debt. We have a whole justice system in our country to try to balance the scales. Those who commit crimes will do the time. Whatever it is that you offend, you pay the penalty. There are literal judges that preside over areas of our country to just give out punishments so that things are fair, right? That's what justice says. That's why it comes up in our hearts. Like, no, that's not fair. You offended me. You pay the debt. But you didn't come to court today. You came to church. But what does Jesus say? You offend me. I pay the debt. And I know that when I say, you've gotta forgive, you gotta forgive, we, our hearts cry out for justice. But when you have the perspective of looking at the cross of Christ and you just sang it, thank you for the cross, when we look at the cross and we see the immense debt that we had to Jesus, and Jesus took that on his own shoulders. He carried the load. He bore the cross I couldn't bear for my sins. I offended, and he paid my debt for me so I wouldn't have to. And to be a follower of Jesus is to pay the debt for someone else. Is when you are offended, when you are hurt, when you are abused, when you are harmed. You take the way of Jesus. You say, you know what? You offended me. 
And not only am I gonna hurt because you offended me, I'm gonna pay the price for you and I'm gonna forgive you. And I understand that I'm saying that casually, but there's a reason that it's, I said pay the price. There is a price. I'm not saying this is easy. Forgiveness is difficult. But someone has to pay the price. Someone had to pay the price for my sin and, and it wasn't me. First Peter explains this very clearly. Peter is writing. He's talking about Jesus. And God called you to, to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. He's our example. And if you're going to be a Jesus follower, you must follow in his steps. He never sinned. He was innocent. He, he didn't deceive anyone. But he didn't retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. I'm asking you to, to step out of your seat as the judge and let God deal with the sin that was committed against you. Because when you were the one who owed the debt, he personally carried your sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what was right. He gave us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a millionth chance. Every single day, we offend. We don't sin against Jesus seven times a day. It's way more than that. And yet every time when we come back to him and say, will you forgive me? He says, yeah, come on back. And he pays the price for your sin. And I'm telling you, this isn't easy. But your forgiveness will lead someone else into freedom. I'm telling you, when you look someone in the face who has inexcusably hurt you, you say, it's okay. They'll find some freedom. If you watch the 2018 version of The Grinch, there's a scene near the end. You know the story. He steals all the stuff. He goes up and he goes to dump it from Crumpet and all that. And he hears them singing. And he realizes, oh man, I judged poorly. He didn't see it clearly. He thought it was all about the presence. He thought it was all about the... And his heart changes. And he goes back down. And in the different versions, you see different endings of this story, right? He goes down and he's blowing the trumpet, right? And in some of the versions, he's throwing out presents and everyone's just walking back gladly. In the 2018 version, he blows the trumpet. He comes down into the courtyard square and it's just dead silent. And he says, I'm so sorry. And he walks away. 
and he retreats into fear and isolation. Up into his cave up on the top of the hill alone. But what brings him back to the moment of redemption? A little girl goes up the mountain, says, hey, why don't you come to dinner? And he says, wait, but, 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 but I stole all your stuff. But I ruined your Christmas. I did something terrible and awful. And she goes, yeah, I know. Dinner's at six. Her forgiveness led someone into freedom. And you see him stand up at the end and pour his heart out. And the wrong that was committed to him is made right all those years later. It's not too late. Your forgiveness of someone could be the greatest gift you give them this Christmas. They're just waiting for someone to look them in the face and say, hey, it's okay. I know you hurt me. Dinner's at six. I'd love to see you there.